The Q Affair While some similarities to living people may exist in your mind on reading this novel, it is a work of fiction, so it's your problem if you have people like this in your life. Chapter 7 The blog post came about as a direct result of my investigations, or rather the arguments that were becoming more frequent on her channel usually because of some question being put to her by a sub about the details of her daughter's death. Desiree seemed to be rubbing people up the wrong way, with the blogging and chat of each person that dared to put questions to her about her night embellishments of and inconsistencies within the story of the death of her daughter, which it seemed still left some subscribers with questions they wanted to ask or created more questions in their minds. While researching Rick Russell's Institute, I came across a related forum on the Institute's site, which interested me because it contained posts by members about a religious group called the Jesus Loving Christians. This was a group that I knew Desiree had been a member of at the time of her daughter's death because she told us that Rick Russell and his Jewish gang of thugs was trying to break up the small religious group. Indeed, she pointed out, that was how she first came into contact with Russell's Institute. One of the members of the gang, a man called Bob Coventry, was to become a stalker for hire, who in 2017 would help Russell target her daughter because he had a personal vendetta against Desiree. Naturally, I wanted to find out more by looking through the posts on the forum she'd mentioned as being on the gang's website, and I soon discovered threads in which forum members had a lot to say about the Jesus-loving Christians, and Desiree's name came up quite a bit. Little of what was said there about Desiree was positive but there was much mirth in the long thread I read. Desiree, it seemed, had been quite a lively presence in the Jesus-loving Christians' threads on the forum, which were now deleted, with only a few threads left in the archive. The group had had a series of difficulties, according to the thread, which had led to their disbanding in 2007, the year Desiree's daughter had died. If those postings were to be believed, Desiree was a difficult person who liked to get her own way, and the full force of her personality had been brought to bear on the workings of the Jesus-loving Christians group, and had been the greatest contributor towards their disbanding. Such was the disruption she created within the forum. Among the archive posts, I found the group's leader was a guy called Brother Don, who pointed out that there had been many negative things said about Desiree, which he maintained amounted to a worldwide hate campaign, stretching from Scotland and Korea to Canada and Australia. I paused for a moment in my reading to consider the enormity of the claim that she could be infamous in so many parts of the globe. Well, our Desiree was an old hand at getting people annoyed at her, it seemed, and according to Brother Don, it was because she had stuck up for his little band of Christians against critics, and she should be left alone, because just like many of the people who were attacking her, she suffered from a mental illness and needed love and compassion. Well, that was decent of him to be compassionate, I thought. 
But if it were me, I certainly wouldn't be too keen on him going on about my mental illness online in a forum for everyone to discuss. What category this illness fitted into, he didn't specify. But the rest of the post left me in no doubt that others might have categorised it as something in the delusional spectrum, with a lot of aggressive acting out thrown into the mix. I felt a bit voyeuristic about continuing on in my search for the background on Desiree that might help fill in the details of the murder case that were missing, because the nature of the posts didn't get any kinder as the thread went on, and Dave's reposted comment didn't seem to be yielding fruit in terms of compassion or love in the thread. I read on avidly. Everyone in the thread seemed to either hate Desiree or find her antics hilarious in the videos which it seemed she had been putting out for a long time in several channels on YouTube before her Truthfully channel had appeared in 2017. She'd kept quiet about these channels and it was news to me that they still existed until I found a link in the thread that brought me to a blog, horrors it seemed, entitled Freedom is Love containing videos which were linked to one of these old channels. I had to agree that some of the videos I discovered in the abandoned channels were quite funny, as Desiree owned a couple of budgies at the time, more entertaining by far than the Tweety Pie on her shirt pocket, as they flew past her head frequently in videos where she discussed excitedly the stalkers that had taken down the Jesus-loving Christians while an overlay of title text flew by rapidly as well, listing her stalkers' names with their crimes against her in a busy spin of text transitions, such as one which made the text large, then shrinking it again as it hurled towards the top of the screen, performing a fancy spin before disappearing off into the distant parts of the room with the ever-circling budgies. These videos, I gathered from the dates under them, were made in the months after her daughter's death, but still I could find little mention of her daughter, as the stalking subject she was so animated about was always Desiree herself. I found myself in the middle of a treasure trove of new information about Desiree, but little of it dated back to more than a few months before her daughter's death. What there was online did provide some answers to a lot of niggling questions I'd had in my mind about Desiree, but wouldn't have liked to ask her in chat or comments, as I knew I would be blocked from chat and comments if I did. To be perfectly honest, I'd not just been a little sceptical about the veracity of the murder story. I'd also questioned Desiree's stability emotionally. The discovery of the videos on her old channels didn't dispel the impression that something was a bit off with Desiree, to say the least. Apart from the gaps in the murder story, she told, there was the constant mention of everything as a cult, from religions other than the version of Catholicism she subscribed to, which I was by no means positive I recognised as anything remotely familiar, to actual cults, which she seemed to enjoy talking about. She was keen on anything to do with demons or Satan, so I could see why cults would appeal to her as a topic. And she appeared very knowledgeable on all sorts of satanic cults. Indeed, her own eyes twinkled impishly whenever they were mentioned, like the snakes circling her courtyard. But there were other groups she considered as cults, like the Democratic Party, 
and workers' unions. She knew because she had been in one of these unions herself while working in a paint factory, which I wouldn't have ever thought of classifying as cults myself. I felt this prurient interest in cults might be classed something of an obsessional disorder since she saw cults everywhere and seemed to get the same satisfaction from talking about them as she had seemed to derive when talking about St. Teresa's ecstasy on contemplating Christ's wounds on the cross in her Sunday readings from the interior castle. Perhaps this was an understandable side effect if a cult had actually murdered one's own daughter. But what if the story were not quite as she presented it? Still, I tried not to jump to conclusions too soon and continued my researches over the course of a week or so in the hours between getting on with my daily life's dull chores such as laundry and sweeping floors, cleaning out the fireplace in the mornings, going to work or more dishes from cooking a meal in the evening when I just wanted to put my feet up by the fire then the odd walk at the weekend before starting a new week again. I hopped around various YouTube channels in the evenings, seeing what the latest gossip was between the channels and what big news everyone was talking about in mainly American politics, with the gossip sometimes generated by the latest Q posts, which gathered more followers and had more truther channels around the topic growing through the months. So at the end of my reading on the forum archives, it seemed to me that many of the commenters thought that Desiree had caused an upheaval in the Jesus-loving Christians, initiated by Desiree, who then stoked the fires of the disharmony which led to the group's disbandment the year of her daughter's death. This seemed at odds with the story that Desiree was telling about Rick Russell's role in breaking up the group through his gathering a gang to stalk herself and also her daughter, which caught up with the daughter and killed her. Those posting in the threads mentioned Desiree's tendency to quickly label people gang members if she took a dislike to them. But Brother Don's post seemed to support her assertions that there was indeed some kind of a stalking gang after her, worldwide no less. Her remarks on the gang appeared nowhere in the threads, since most of what she had posted had been deleted altogether, leaving me to try to patch together what had occurred there from the other posters' comments. Her only remaining remarks were the ones that they pasted into their own comments to quote so they could make fun of them together on the thread. The individuals posting seemed united behind their dislike of Desiree, based on their experiences on the forum with her. Some listed undesirable activities which Desiree had engaged in, as she took a dislike to a forum member, such as phoning up their workplace and making slanderous videos about them. But others remained sceptical, saying that they had seen no evidence of the letters that had been sent to relatives of those she hated, or any other proof that Desiree had done the things she had been accused of to her fellow forum members, many of whom seemed to be also Jesus-loving Christians. All this was not quite what I'd been expecting to find. I'd started researching her story to discover more about the murder story she told nightly on her channel, and instead found a variety of people accusing her of stalking them, 
but the allegations equally could be considered as supporting evidence for Brother Don's assertion that she had indeed been targeted by a group of people online. I wasn't prepared to discount the possibility that they could be deliberately slandering her, and so I looked at links to other sites I had found, including Desiree's blog. This blog set out the story that she had told on her channel about the loving Christians being targeted by the evil Jewish gang of stalkers, but didn't include any mention of her daughter's murder, though the last post in the series of blog posts was dated a year or so after the horrible event. I looked for more about the Jesus Loving Christians group and found out that they were quite a small group of less than 20 at around the time she would have been posting on the forum with them. Brother Don had founded the group in South Africa with the core group comprising a dozen or so members at the beginning in the 80s. Their lifestyle consisted of simple living, moving about in mobile homes, utilising money-saving tactics like dumpster diving to forage for food and donating what money they had when they joined to the group funds, which were managed by Brother Don and his wife, Sister Mags, a married pair. The group had been active in England too, where they'd got some newspaper coverage when a young man went missing having joined the group after picking up one of their cartoon-style religious publications, only to turn up safely shortly afterwards to his parents' great relief. Two group members were convicted of contempt of court for not revealing his whereabouts, however, so clearly they were very big on privacy, and I wondered about all that moving about in mobile homes then. There were other things about the little group which made my eyebrows raise more. The more I continued reading. Live organ donation was a part of the group's ethic, with Brother Don having seen a tear-jerking movie once about an altruistic young man who donated a kidney to his grandmother. I felt sure Desiree had both kidneys still intact, since she didn't care enough about her subscribers to notice if they left her chat in tears, although she did eventually notice Delphi's absence when she received an email from her and declared her to be a bit soft in the head in one of her videos due to brain damage, which she said Delphi had told her about privately in an earlier email. With kidney donations to strangers who became good friends of the group, while they decided whether to choose them to donate the organ to, not always being smooth sailing, as some countries had laws against that kind of thing, there were hitches too sometimes when family members of the group's generous donor complained to whatever hospital the surgery was to take place in that it was a cult, coercing a member through brainwashing them into compliance. You know, the usual hiccups. Enough transplants went ahead, though, for the group to become known by the much shorter and catchier name the kidney Christians over time. And although Brother Don claimed not to like this title, having been a sub-editor in a regional newspaper once when he still worked as a wage slave, he realised the importance of publicity and saw that no news was bad news. Sadly, it was difficult to translate the publicity into new members as the kidney stipulation put a lot of them off. How Desiree got out of this condition of membership 
as well as avoiding the rigours of life as a morbidly obese person trying to share a camper van with several others and be able to get along with them, I don't know. I think Brother Don had a very soft spot for her, as the foreign members had discussed how they communicated nightly online, with Brother Don no doubt finding his laptop on a skip or something. Odd as well was the self-flagellation which members of the group undertook as penance whenever they or the group felt they had sinned. The origins of the group were a little problematic as well, to say the least, with the founder having previously been in the far more well-known group, the Children of Jesus group, which, no matter how non-cult obsessed you are, it would be very difficult not to classify as being a cult. This was a group that several TV documentaries had been made about that explained practices such as filthy fishing, FF in their own coded speak used when out in public, by female members who raised funds for the group and encouraged new memberships by selling themselves on the street, as well as sleeping with the cult's leader. The cult had definite paedophilic leanings as well, according to press articles. And what I saw online, including some remaining publications from their comic book style literature, which Brother Don had helped write, and which the Jesus-loving Christians were still handing out on the streets some years later. One could see disturbing currents running through them, and there seemed to be an unnaturally heavy emphasis on the importance of early sex education. I learned that one publication distribution idea had backfired as three Children of Jesus cult members got themselves arrested for some sort of indecency charge outside a church. After the congregation leaving the church called the cops, asking them to take away the three grown men handing out comics outside, dressed only in diapers. I'm not sure if the diapers were the indecency or whether someone glanced at the cartoon's contents before whipping out their phone to call police. Although the message contained in the comic I saw on the Jesus Loving Christians website, which had remained up even after the forum and it seemed the little group itself had disbanded, was ambiguous, emphasising that one needed to be like a child to enter the kingdom of God while leaving you with a distinctly nauseous impression from the cartoon imagery of toddlers getting married on the cover to the discussion of what different holes you could explore on your body in the section which they recommended you could read to a child to help them understand topics that many of us would think they were probably too young to understand anyway. The whole thing was a bit ill, even for someone like myself with a Catholic upbringing which struck me in many ways as a bit ill in outlook as well, to be fair. Both groups still existed for a while under different names after they had officially disbanded, with one of them led by Brother Don having found one of his homes like Desiree on a YouTube channel. I had a look at his channel and saw that he preferred to keep his face blurred while speaking mostly about end times when only the chosen who had prepared themselves would enter heaven. These end timers in the wilderness, as they were calling themselves, in their incarnation on YouTube, 
would only be able to survive the devastation that would signal the end of the world by praying and honing their prepping skills to survive the war that would wipe out the non-believers. Desiree never mentioned Brother Don by name on her The Truth Fleet channel, but she often did little segments on prepping. And I wondered, since I discovered Brother Don's group was still active on YouTube, whether she was still in contact with him, as it appeared from the forum posts that she had once held a torch for him at least as bright as the one she'd had burning for Colonel Ray Peters before he spurned her, and for Gerald Cross, who'd also snubbed her, by failing to notice her numerous videos about the queue posts. Desiree had a Facebook page, and I saw that she'd been offering her help to Brother Don in getting the new group up and running, while she was at the time not too busy, perhaps, since her blog and old YouTube channel had not seemed to hold her interest and had lapped, lapsed, and it was a couple of years before she started up the Truth Fleet. There was only one exchange, and he seemed a bit lukewarm, like a guy that had the can of beans he found on a skip warming up on the Primus on the caravan, and might be just filling in time, being polite to her as he waited for his meal to heat. Perhaps the short prepping videos she was now making were an attempt to get his attention further or impress him with her usefulness. Her subscribers were now growing steadily, with a total of almost 4,000 people showing under her videos. I didn't think her efforts with Brother Don paid off, since she never mentioned him, and he may have thought better of welcoming back into the fold someone who had caused so much disruption in the forum. The prepping videos consisted of making croutons, which were just burnt toast cut into squares, and drying oregano out in a crock pot that needed to be plugged in, using up two days' electricity, which must have made it an expensive prepping option. She utilised one of Colonel Ray Peters' favourite phrases a lot during her prepping videos, telling her subscribers that when the tribulation came, they needed to prep, pray and stay out of the way. I remember making a similar comment myself, jokingly, in Ray's comments once to warn him when Desiree was particularly incensed at something he had said on a video and told us she was going over to give him a piece of her mind in his comments section. I may have even composed a poem around it, telling him he'd better prep, pray and stay out of the way. Jazeera is mad as hell and she's on the way. I certainly had a lot to write about in that first blog post when spring rolled around. And by then, I had good reason to write it because I had other suspicions about Jazeera that I wanted to share with anyone considering going to her channel.